Hello everyone! Welcome to episode 25 of the Generic Gaming Podcast.mp3, the podcast where we talk about a new game every single week. My name is Logan Myrie, and as always, I'm joined by my esteemed co-host and sound engineer, Eric Kraus. Hello. <laughs> Eric. Oh, God, I Usually I have like a cold open, but I could I was like, shit, I don't have a cold open. <laughs> I do want to say, just as a little celebration, this is episode 25. We've Ye- done 25 episodes and two kind of little bonus episodes, so it's 27 weeks that we have not missed a single upload. And we will not miss a single upload. Yeah, that's the number one Because unlike some people we know that miss uploads on a different podcast we're on, <laughs> we do not miss episodes. Yeah, so I just it's a it's a fun little a little accomplishment for us. You know, I feel like we're slowly kind of getting there. We got some people listening. Shout out to you yeah, if you're listening right shout now. Shout out to the listeners. You keep us alive, keep us motivated to keep doing this. Yeah, before we start... This kind of relates to that. If you enjoy the show, if you've ever enjoyed this show, or maybe you'll enjoy the show one day, you think, you know what, there's some potential there. I think that once these dudes, you know, maybe grow up a little bit and stop being fucking idiots, they'll make a good show. Go write us on iTunes. We're never going to not be idiots, so just get used to that, I think. But, you know, I'm just saying, you know, support us. Go write us on iTunes. Share us with your friends. I really appreciate when I see people there out on the Twitters, you know, retweeting, saying, listen to this podcast. It's cool. You know, whatever. Go uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Late for Embargo, where all of our podcasts are slowly being uh, put it on put on there. And that's really kind of just a hold because soon, in probably a little over two months, then we're gonna start doing some video content. Less than two months at this point. Yeah, so we're we're really hard scheming. We there's some big things coming for the Late for Embargo and Generic Gaming Podcast brand. So everyone, just prepare yourselves. Prepare your bodies. Yeah, get your bodies ready, good and ready. Eric, it's time for the news. In the news, do to do. We came up with that jingle today. I like yep, it. I think literally it's literally minutes before we yeah, I hit record. <laughs> Eric, first item on the news report. Um, this is from Kotaku's Jason Schreier. It's an article called "How Bioware's Anthem Went Wrong." What a doozy of an article. Yeah, this thing is also Jason Schreier just continuing to put everyone in the industry shame. And honestly, I just deters me. Well, I don't know. Deters. I don't know. Inspires is also there to want to just be able to write like Jason Trier one day. Yeah. Literally, I think that almost every, like, I wouldn't even say almost everyone over Kotaku is doing spectacular work. Yeah. Like, and they, they really fill a lot of niches. I love their game criticism. They really do some, like, cool in-depth game criticism. And they also just report stuff that no one else is going to yeah. hear about. Um, And I saw I saw some skerfuffle kind of surrounding this uh, when Steven Totillo... When he posted this, he said, if you want to get into game journalism, a big a big way to get into the reporting aspect is to break news. And a lot of people took that as kind of like, well, what do you mean? How can we break news if we don't have the contacts that we've established from being in games journalism? And uh, and he, he later kind of expounded saying that, you know, you can break small news, go talk to developers no one else will be talking to, yeah. and, and break news that no one else is going to Yeah, really you have to find the news, that, like, what's happening at Anthem, everyone just or what's happening at Bioware with the going on with Anthem. That's not, like, a really big news story. Like, it doesn't have to... That could have hit next week. It would still be just as big. Like, it, it's not as timely necessary as, I think, what we think of when we hear, like, big news. Like, it has to be timely and relevant. But, like, these smaller stories... Or this isn't really a small story. This is a pretty big story. But, like, these stories detailing the smaller details of game development yeah. are what a and lot of people And it doesn't even really need to be the big studios. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this is Bioware, which is huge, but, like, 
I don't know. I can't think of a good small studio because they're a small studio. It could be like Fulbright. You breaking a story on them, which I don't think you really could find something like a development well, yeah, but, hell situation. But a story, a story but. is even. Look at the way that Fulbright. I, I've seen a lot of uh, the, the the dude who made uh, Night in the Woods. He's part of this like game development cooperative now, which has no bosses. Yeah. So so that's like a story. Like you know, if you, if you're like the one who's like, wait, look at this company that I that I you know a small company that I like, and then they're saying like, look at the way that we're running our business. That's news. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyways, let's get past that. I want to talk about this Anthem story. So neither of us have actually played Anthem. I played the uh, beta, the open beta and the closed beta. I'm just saying neither of us has purchased Anthem. Oh, no, because after I played the beta and the closed beta, I was like, I'm not buying this game. And so this isn't necessarily a... Our discussion's not about the game as much as it is the details surrounding the development of this game, which are, as the 11,000 words that I read uh, yesterday morning, insane. Yes. Uh, and so kind of my the big notes that I that I kind of got from this are uh, Frostbite sucks. Uh, For sure. And I saw some people saying like in theory it's a good idea, you know, everyone in your everyone in your your you know, your your publishing whatever you want to call it, all your all your game development companies are working on the same engine. They're all accessing the same resources. In theory it's a good idea. In theory it's a good idea. And if I think it could have been executed a lot better if Frostbite is a relatively new engine, so I feel like if they worked out a lot of the kinks in the article, it even goes over how the, uh, Bioware was having to make some of the features they needed as they needed them into the Frostbite engine. Yeah, like load save kind of stuff. Like very yeah, load simple save, things. third person camera abilities. Like, because Frostbite is made for Battlefield, a yeah. first person shooter, and so it's so they talk about how it's great for making these huge, expansive, beautiful maps. But and I mean, Anthem's world is beautiful as to credit to Frostbite's engine. And, and uh, part of the article was saying that that a lot of the people who were really good with Frostbite had to work on. Oh my god, I'm totally blanking on what game it was. Um, Dragon Age. No, it was a different EA Mass studio. Effect. Nope, not Bioware. Oh, not Bioware. Uh, I'm trying to think of other EA games. <laughs> Whatever. Anyways, I because the article's too long. I'm trying to skim through it to find yeah, it. I'm, I'm All, uh, so a lot of the people who knew a lot of the stuff about Frostbite had to move to another area of EA to work on something else. And so they it was this total kind of mess with Frostbite. And I, I've seen uh, some people on Twitter who used to work at Bioware saying it's the worst engine they've ever worked with. Yeah. And it's just a fucking disaster. Well, the one quote descri- describes it as working with razor blades or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, just like every step of the way, something cuts you, basically. You have to, like, start over or go two steps back and then move forward again. Yeah, the, the one developer said that something that would take him two minutes or whatever in, in, uh, in Unreal Engine took him two weeks in Frostbite. Yeah. Um, some other interesting tidbits is that uh, Anthem was going to be called Beyond, and this is just kind of one of those crazy things that, that they changed the name two weeks before E3 2017. Yeah, and the fact that they already had shirts and stuff. They were already, like, getting merch ready and stuff. And they, they had all the shirts ready for the developers, and then they're just like, nope, we're changing the name, and then we're like, Anthem doesn't even make sense. Yeah, so, <laughs> so it's all like, it's all okay. kind of indicative of this, this lack of, of direction for the game. They were talking mm-hmm. about not having... They were in pre-production for like way longer than is normal for a video game yeah uh some other things that i thought were interesting was that this kind of weird strained relationship between uh bioware in canada edmonton mm-hmm. uh and austin texas because austin texas was basically saying we've worked on an online game like this before with star wars knights of the old republic is that the one no no no, no. uh star wars whatever the star wars online game. yeah um and and basically them being like they had all these concerns that 
players like later you know said and then uh edmonton was basically like no you know we have the vision you guys are kind of yeah. working for us uh so that was kind of again and th- there was this sentiment in austin where, where one of the developers was talking about like they were kind of like we just need to get through development and then when we get control of this game we're gonna fix it because yeah every you know everyone in uh at edmonton is gonna be working on dragon age 4 basically now mm-hmm. it's all just just a clusterfuck dude it really is but like these development hell stories are always super interesting and it's it's it, crazy to think that people at the studio were getting a do- like a doctor's notice that they needed to take like a mental health leave yeah like medically stress ordered stress leave for yeah. one to three months and a lot of them didn't just even come, didn't back. come back like they just, like that's bonkers like you can't i can't imagine any job where first of all kudos to them for allowing stress leave i think that's a really good thing well, if, i mean i guess i don't know if they, i feel like they might have to i don't know <clears throat> well yeah they might have to but like i feel like Five years ago, I don't think stress leave was allowed, like, a thing. Like, this is the first time I've ever heard of stress leave as a thing. Yeah, that, me as well. Yeah, so, like, kudos to them, I guess, to Bioware for yeah, having but not that really. as a thing. Because they're the ones who caused the stress leave. Yeah, they're causing it, but I'm just saying it's good that they, it's a thing that's letting happen. But it also, every time you let someone go, that's another amount of time you have to wait for to work on the game and struggle through making stuff, so... Uh, they had all these high-level big names leave during the development. Yeah, Casey Hudson being the big one, who it was like his bridge challenge leaves. Yeah, uh, one of the lead developers d- died. Think, oh, yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, passed away, uh, which is tragic. Um, and then all apparently, you know, I saw some a bunch of names that we would never know just left. They were like, fuck this. Dude. Yeah. So the next thing I want to talk about with this story, because we are getting pretty long on it, is uh, Bioware's statement. Uh which they published minutes after uh, Jason Schreier's article went live, meaning they definitely didn't read it. Um, and I think it's bullshit and a trash statement. And so, do you want me to read part of it? I don't. I don't know if we have to. I mean, it, do you have a part you want to specifically yeah. point out? Then so, go for it. towards it's all basically like, oh, we stand behind all the developers who made this. Like, you know, it, it takes a lot of work to make something like this. We're really proud of it. And then kind of at the end, they say, we don't see the value in tearing down one another or one another's work. We don't believe articles that do that are making our industry and craft better, which is the part where I and I saw a lot of other people saying this is stupid because they're basically saying they're they're accusing Jason Schreier of, of like being they're just kind of like picking on Bioware and like picking yeah. on all these names specifically when in reality, the story is about the hell that the developers had yeah. to go through to make this game mm-hmm. and the hell that bioware specifically put through them it's not tearing down one another it's tearing down this like corporation that that fucked all its employees so i don't want to sit like we have a high horse oh no i'm just saying I, it's- no i'm no to where i'm going with this not toward you saying but like i just don't think we keep seeing these like pr releases or like responses to articles like this that are just so tone deaf to like the article or to what people are like getting from it that I just don't understand these PR people that are doing this. It's not that hard. <laughs> I think to just understand what's going on and to respond truthfully and accurately and to end up in a good light. Like EA could have tackled this so much better. Like I don't, I don't get why they felt the need to immediately come out with a response for this. They could have waited. Yeah. I mean, radio silence with- would have made a lot more sense. Yeah. 
and then maybe read the article like maybe just a maybe a good part of before you formulate your response is to read the thing you're responding to i don't know that just seems like a, the obvious answer to me but i guess i'm not a professional pr person i'm just studying at college so i don't know if that's really the right thing to do is read the thing you're responding yeah, to as two kids who are in communications i can say this is bad communication yeah i would as, an, author- as an authority on the, on the subject yeah and we just keep seeing situations like this where there's just bad response like people i just i don't know if it's like the generation gap or what it is we could narrow it down to one specific thing that we probably can't but like i just there seems to just be the separation between audience and these corporations right now and obviously eat the rich we've said it before we the whole activision shit we or uh the thq yeah. shit that we went over well yeah, yeah thq and then activision blizzard yeah an activision blizzard we, we obviously know our political stances on these kind of things and uh but i just there's such a better way to do it, and I, it just seems so obvious to me. Yeah, literally, here's what you say. Listen, we Anthem was a hard game to make, and a lot of things went wrong, and we're really going to seriously consider our, you know, the way that we make games. Yeah. And, and the way that we approach making games like this, and we're going to come back to you at some point in the future to talk about how we've changed things. Yeah. There That's, you go. That would have been perfect. Everyone would be like, oh, EA's learning and moving forward. And that and that was the another kind of interesting tidbit from the article was that they said people were horrified that Dragon Age Inquisition did so well because that game was also hell to make. Yeah, that and- was bonkers to me too. Like, I couldn't imagine working on something and y- you want that thing to fail so hard. So that, but so you're that working on it so bosses. hard. Yeah, so the people just see that. Oh, it's not worth it. Let's change the way. Like, but they're still pouring their hearts into it, and they, but they just want to fail. Like, I can't imagine how that feeling would be is working on something so hard, but wanting it to fail. Well, but yeah, you're because still you want your someone to it. fucking real, someone ab- yeah. above you in the pyramid, you know, the scheme of of labor to realize that maybe what they're doing is is not working. Yeah. <laughs> but and then they come out and their 2015 or 2014 game of the yeah, year. Yeah, 2014 game, and like I. I I'm going to, you know, we both bought Inquisition recently. We're going to be playing through it. Yeah, I played an hour or two through it. I don't like RPGs, but I was still having fun with it. The story's super interesting. And so I just, I I really, really, really hope that that a little bit down the road, whenever Dragon Age 4 comes, you know, is announced or whatever, they say, listen, we've heard the criticisms. We are drastically changing our the way that we make games. And this is, I mean, this isn't a Bioware problem specifically. This is an industry-wide issue. Yeah. We've seen, you know, Crunch talked about with almost every major release, Red Dead 2, almost every major release. Yeah, every major of. AAA release is like, oh, Crunch. And no one's immune to it either. Yeah. Like, every, I uh, Crunch, the problem with Crunch 2 is, like, it's become a standard in the industry. And so every time these big games come out, even, no matter what, it's like a Naughty Dog game could come out. And guess what? We all fucking love the game, but the people that go through it have to just go Amy Hennig, for it. who, you know, is this this a great, great mastermind behind Uncharted 2 and 3 said she was like fucking ripping her hair out trying to make those games yeah so it's it's uh, i just think that the the real problem here is that they're they're attacking people who want better Mm -hmm. you know i mean jason's not doing this to say you know like fuck bioware and everything they make he's trying to say look shedding light on the situation he's not attacking anyone he's like in this article i'd say he did a very good job of not staying anything and just letting the people speak in the article yeah and he, and he even stated like i said on twitter like people were asking him to publish this because yeah. because they wanted they, to be known uh, same thing with the uh, dragon age they want the thing people to see this they want the game to fail so they'd see it just <sighs> ridiculous hopefully we'll get some change in the future and hopefully soon so uh next item on the news story 
Also kind of a bummer. Uh, GameStop posts $673 million full-year loss uh, from 2018. And this is following another loss in 2017. Things are not looking good for GameStop. I don't think this is very surprising, though. I feel like GameStop has just been losing money rapidly for the last few years. Yeah, and, this and is I just, obviously just the biggest. Because I haven't, I don't even know the last time I went to GameStop. See, you use it a lot. This is it's really sad to me because I've been a huge. I mean, I understand people's concerns with GameStop, but GameStop has been a place where I can go and I can get games for cheaper than I would normally not be able to get them. Yeah. I almost, I've never, I don't think I've bought a game for a full price in forever. Because I always am trading stuff in or, or mm-hmm. you know, using my rewards points to get games for cheaper. Yeah. And so I just feel like GameStop is a place. There weren't, like, a lot of people who loved games the same way I did when I was in high school, uh, except for, like, Adam. And so, I don't know, GameStop was a place where you could go and it was like, you know, you see all these things. You talk to the people about what kind of games are coming out. It was just like this kind of, I don't know, cool haven. And I and I so I've been shopping. I've been a rewards member for since I was like in eighth grade or whatever. It's yeah. just, I don't know. So it's just kind of a bummer to me. I understand people's concerns with GameStop and their business models and stuff like that, but it just it's just a bummer. I mean, as much as I think it sucks that GameStop's going out of business, I feel like they're also the last front until we just get fully digital all the time, which is the future I want. As I know it's not very possible, you could just watch our Google Stadia episode where I just shit on the digital future the whole time, but I'm now saying <laughs> I want a digital future. But, like, they're kind of the last forefront, and then the next step after that is getting consoles to just having distribution for consoles. Yeah, well, because that was kind of the big thing is it's like you see a lot of these these places saying that they're going to be discless. Yeah. Or, or these, you know, a lot of people are saying these consoles are going to be discless. Uh, and, and it's like, what, where are you going to sell them? Yeah, where are you going to sell the consoles? If the stores want you also sell the games, and if they're not going to just put your console up if you don't, you're not also making the money somewhere else. Yeah, PlayStation's no longer selling game codes at GameStop or, or Walmart or Target or anything like that. Yeah. So, I don't know. The landscape's changing. GameStop's going out. Of, they were trying to get bought. That didn't work. Yeah. It's, they're going out. You, you quickly see them kind of shifting to the kind of like hot topic sort of about where you just go in there to get like random nerd shit yeah you get amiibos and random switch accessories and stuff yeah because i think we went in there when you were getting a game or something I, like i drove there or something and we went in and i was just looking at all the stuff like they have all the wacky switch controllers the, yeah. the cheap ones and then <laughs> just a bunch of just they have it's more of a toy store now than that also it's like a game toy store where it also has games but it's mostly just tried to sell game merch and stuff and accessories yeah so yeah i don't know i just i wonder you know i, I understand pre, like pre-owned games are bad for developers too kind of cause yeah because they're not getting, they're getting any money but them. also that was great for me it was great for my little boy yeah little like, i've wallet. never i've never i always buy games full price or on sale i've i've been on the digital storefront since basically the ps4 came out i stopped buying discs and so i this doesn't affect me really at all but I know like, we have a friend, Cam, whose episode never came out, the lost episode of the podcast, who works at GameStop, so it'll affect him. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. We'll, we'll stay tuned on that. I just think I just wanted to say, I think it's a bummer. Um, here's another uh, sad news story. Well, not sad. I guess it kind of had a happy ending, sort of. <laughs> Did it? I mean, it's kind of sad pretty much the whole time. Um, this comes from Kotaku's Brian Ashcraft. Uh, so every everything that we talk about, you should go give them a click. Because uh, I'm oh, not yeah, trying we're to, just you know, straight steal. Well, I mean, we're crediting them. the The former story came from GameIndustry.biz, and that was Brendan Sinclair. Uh, this one is Brian Ashcraft from Kotaku. Man arrested after threatening to kill Square Enix staff. 
Uh, I just wanted to mention this briefly because this is a wild story. Yeah, this is bonkers. Um, <laughs> so insane. A 25-year-old nursing care worker has been arrested after allegedly emailing Square Enix threatening to kill staff. Uh, this is according to Live Door News. Uh, the man is accused of sending an email on February 5th to Square, Enix, Square Enix's Tokyo office that read, Hey, staff, tomorrow I'm going to kill you. Get ready uh, for your punishment. Um, and it was, all, it was this whole thing. And then the man's reasoning was that he said, quote, I spent over 200,000 yen, approximately 1,800 bucks, on the game, and I didn't get the in-game item I wanted, so I sent the email out of revenge. Uh, it never mentions what game it was, but this is just insanity to me. This is just crazy, but I get you're upset. I don't, I, I don't know how to word this where it doesn't make me seem like I agree with him because I don't. But I get he's upset because he spent so much money on the loot system and he didn't get what he wanted, which is why loot systems suck. These slot machine loot systems, which that's a whole other topic. Yeah, but I don't. But I mean, it's, it's definitely, definitely not justified to be able to threaten. You can maybe ask for your money back or something but don't threaten these people you know what works lives. better than that saying hey square enix i spent like a lot of money on this thing and i wanted this one thing and i didn't yeah. get it and so Could i just you feel like give me it because i just gave you eighteen hundred dollars yeah. or, or maybe like i just think the system's kind of messed up and you guys should maybe or maybe you have the willpower to realize you don't need this in-game cosmetic for this game well yeah i saw someone in the comments pointing out that uh maybe someone who is uh really into loot boxes does not have the best impulse control yeah that's true also and maybe you know the impulse to send a threatening email to a large you know corporation yeah i don't know this is ridiculous crazy to think that this wasn't in america because if this was in america i don't think it would be a news story <laughs> yeah i'm sure that happens all the time i yeah. feel like yeah. Look at Twitter. Just one thing before we go on loot boxes. I watched this thing about Warframe uh, that GameSpot uh, released uh, just a couple days ago uh, about like why you should get into Warframe. And a really cool thing that I didn't realize they did because not a lot of people talk about Warframe is that they had a loot like a loot system where it was kind of the slot machine aspect uh, where you pull the trigger and basically you try to get your items. And they had w a single player spent like $1,800 like this guy or something where he spent a ton of money just trying to get the one thing he wanted. And I can't remember the people who make Warframe, but they realized that one player had spent this much money to get, try to get this one thing. So they got rid of the pull, like the gambling system of it. They realized it was like basically a gambling method. So they just immediately dropped it after one person. I'm like, shout out to Warframe developers. Yeah, that I game's on Switch now. I really, I kind of want to jump in and I've yeah. heard it's fun. I heard a lot of people like it. It's cool. It's, I feel like it's one of those games that like a lot of people are playing, but no one's really talking about. Yeah. I think uh, it has like 50 consecutive player, 50 million consecutive players. So yeah, maybe I'll jump into Switch. Yeah. Uh, we're ending on a uh, a real happy story, a, a real hype, exciting no, one, get a, hype, a hype story. Uh, this comes from IGN's Matt Perslow, and that is Persona 5, Metroid Prime Trilogy, and a link to the past for Switch listed by Best Buy. I God, I hope this is true. I want Persona 5 on Switch so bad, just so I can finally beat it. I can, I literally have it on my PlayStation right now. I've never deleted it because I'm always like, I'm going to go back into this and beat it. But if it comes to Switch, I'll just start over and I'll actually beat it for once in my life. I would consider getting Persona 5 if it was on Switch because that's one of those games I'm like, I, not worth it, I not going to beat it. It's but. a game that takes over 100 hours just to beat the story and stuff, like to go through and do everything. I have 30 hours in Persona 5 and I'm like barely, like barely through the game. I'm like a quarter of the way through. <laughs> 
So I just, it's a game that needs to be on Switch because it benefits so well. I feel like I don't, I mean, that game could run on Switch too. The, the weird thing I is don't know, that. It has a little, I don't know, it's pretty, it probably could, I guess, there's not too many, there's not like particle effects that's usually what kills a system and needs a lot of processing power. But, I mean, the game's gorgeous, so I wonder how it looks on Switch. Yeah, well, well, the the concern was that didn't didn't Persona have some sort of exclusivity deal with Sony? Yeah. They're like a, I think, yeah, it's supposed to be exclusive to them. But hopefully that contract's just up and we could start. Because, I mean, we, we're getting Joker on uh, in Smash, which is also bonkers. So I'm thinking that contract's yeah. up. And, and recently uh, Atlas put up that website that was like P, uh, P5S. And people yeah. were like, the S is for Switch, likely. Well, I was seeing a lot of people say it was Stadium. Because usually with the Persona games, you get the big name release Persona, Persona 5 being. And then you get... Um, the dancing games, and then you get the remastered with all, uh, Persona game with all the things, and then you get, um, or no, you get then a fighting game, and then the remastered, which is, because that's the way they usually do it. So people were saying it was st- uh, po- uh, Persona Stadium, which would have been the Persona Five fighting game, mm. which I'm hoping it, it is Switch, and yeah, that'd be sick. Uh, I'm pretty excited about these other announcements too. I I actually had the Metroid Prime trilogy on like my Wii when I was like in middle school. Yeah. But uh, I never really got into it just because I, I the game was kind of weird to play on Wii. I didn't really like like the kind of aiming to you had to like you know kind of aim your aim your controller to aim, which was kind of yeah. dumb. Uh, and then uh, Link to the Past, one of the best games ever made. I have I only played a Link Between Worlds, which was kind of a similar type game. Yeah. Uh, and I never played a Link to the Past, so I'd like to jump in on all these. Games. I'd like to play all these too because I've never played them, and they're obviously all classics, ex- excluding Persona Five. Well, Persona Five is a classic at this point, I think. Uh, but yeah, they're all classics that I feel like I just need in my video game repertoire of games played. So I'll be happy if those come to Switch as well because Switch just needs a, basically a virtual console that allows you to play all these games. And God. if they're just coming out with remastered versions that look prettier and play better, I'll be even happier. Why the hell do we not have like a some sort of virtual console? Like all we have is NES games on the Switch yeah. right now. How? And they're not even like all that good of ones. Uh, you get like Mario, the first like three Marios, so that's okay. I just, dude, it's got to like. Also, just I was thinking of Mario. We get Mario Maker in like two months. Yeah, that's really like, exciting. I'm I'm really. We exci- also get like Dreams in like a week. Wow, or like in a uh, month too, in like May. There's just too many games coming out right now. <sighs> no time. Wow, to I plan. just like had a mini like anxiety attack about all the games we have to play in like the next three weeks. It's time for a hot topic. This will be kind of a, a shorter one. It's pretty cut and dry, I think. Uh, well, I, like I said, I'm a little conflicted on it. It's a Hot Topic, one day sponsored by Hot Topic. That is, should Sekiro have an easy mode? Uh, I've seen a lot of people talking about this. There was some opinion piece on, I don't remember what a website it was, Forbes or something, saying Sekiro should have an easy mode. Uh, and a lot of people were like, blah, get good. Uh, yeah. And... I saw a lot of other people being like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Uh, it makes the game more accessible for people, you know, who maybe aren't as great at Fred's games or maybe who have a literal disability. Yeah. Or have a life. Or, yeah. Or and don't, just don't have time to beat their head against a wall to beat your boss. Have kids and such. I just don't get the haters that think that just implementing an easy mode is going to ruin the game experience. Yeah. For them. I, I've seen so many people being like, it's the developer's vision. I understand that, I guess, like, you know, they, that's the game they want to make. But also, it seems like kind of a dick move to just exclude a lot of people just because you want to. I don't know. Also, I feel like the developers would want more, 
like have a a large audience of people to experience their game. Yeah, and so so many people are like, well, the difficulty's the point. Smash, you know, smashing your head against the wall is the point. But I don't think that an easy mode is going to make this game a breeze for most people. Like, what is something that's difficult for you is probably impossible for someone else. Yeah. And so an easy mode would, you'd likely be having a very similar experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if someone having trouble on the game, I guess uh, I could like this to uh, God of War. God of War is a pretty difficult game, especially doing the Valkyries. Oh, and yeah. You switch to easy mode, guess what? The Valkyries are still the hardest part of the game. They're maybe not as hard as when you do the game on crushing difficulty or whatever, or, like, the God of War difficulty, but, like, where you literally just get one shot. Usually you, literally, usually in easy mode games, you can just take more damage. You still have to do all the skill-based stuff. Like, in Sekiro, I haven't played it yet. We're playing it this weekend. But yeah, what, I see, what I've seen from it is it's a lot of parrying and dodging and timing for your attacks. So basically, I think all an easy mode would do in this game is allow you to get hit more often. Yeah, get hit more. Maybe so it just gives you a bigger window to make... It allows you to make more mistakes than having to be frame perfect. Yeah, or even just simple things like, you know, maybe upping the time on the frames for an attack yeah. or something like that. Just like giving you have more, more frames to get it. Yeah, exactly. So I don't... I just... It's fine. It's not going to ruin your experience. You could still play it... If I wonder if instead of calling it like if From Software had their game out and instead of calling it like easy, medium, hard, and extreme or whatever the normal difficulties are, if they called it uh, like accessible version, Be- yeah, beginner, and then get play as intended, and then beat your head against a brick. Like if they called it that, if people would be way less upset. If like just the fact that they're getting upset that's called easy mode, I think is what the problem is. If they're just like. If they called it, like, accessibility mode, which I think is a... I'm just saying, but I think would be a terrible name. Uh, and then just play as intended. Because, I mean, in some games, I'm trying to think... Celeste, specifically. Was yeah, the Celeste game. has... Celeste is fucking hard. Celeste is hard. But if you go on the if thing, it's like... It says easy, medium, hard, but if you hover over them, right, it says this is the developer's intended way to play it, right? And then this is if you want an extra challenge, and then this is if you just want to enjoy the game. Yeah, there's like there's a whole very robust, accessible like you can kind of breeze through the game, and that because Celeste is a cool, it has a really good message, and the, that developer wanted everyone to see it. Yeah, and and so I, other people are like, well, what's the point of playing Sekiro? And honestly, I would argue just from playing Bloodborne, I don't even know if the combat's like the most appealing thing about that game. I yeah. think it's the the way that those levels are are designed and like the environmental storytelling, the atmosphere of the game are all spectacular. It was the mm-hmm. stuff I think i enjoyed the most yeah i mean i go through those games i'm not wanting to what drives me to keep playing is it's somewhat the boss fights but i say it's most part the story and wanting to see how it unfolds and why things are happening the way they are and like it's sure but the boss fights are fun but at kind of every point where i get to a boss fight after a while it is beating my head against a brick wall and then after i beat that boss i'm like God, I hope there's not another boss fight for a while because I want to keep progressing, and every time you hit the boss fight, it slows you down a lot. So, so I just don't, I just don't, I don't understand the the, the I don't get it. about this. I, I think that it would help. Time, I, I think that it, it would help more people enjoy a game that there's a lot to love about. Yeah, and I guess what the haters don't realize is you can have your niche audience, but guess what? Your niche audience is gonna fund the game. You need as many people to play this game so you get another one. So yeah, I don't wh- get why people are like. We need this to limit it to a number of people. You're not going to get another game that way. Why Why do you think that From Software partnered with Activision for Sekiro? They wanted yeah. more fucking people they to play wanted, it. Yeah, exactly. And they wanted that Activision money, and it's paying off because they're getting that marketing behind it and getting way more people to play this game that wouldn't normally play this game. So that's, I really, it's cut and dry. I think that 
asking for an easy mode from a game like this is not blasphemy. I, it doesn't defeat the purpose of the game. I, I saw an article again from Kotaku that said an easy mode's never destroyed, like, you know, been the, it's never made a game worse. Mm-hmm. Ugh, anyways. Let's talk about games. I'm tired. This is getting heated. Let's talk yeah. about games. Bump, 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 Games of the show. I put an S in there because we're talking about a couple games. Yeah. Uh, Eric, you wanted to briefly talk about uh, you beat Let's Go Eevee. Yeah, so we t- had the podcast about this a few weeks ago where we talked about Pokemon. And then I decided uh, after that podcast I was hyped and really wanted to play Pokemon. So I started my journey as my becoming a Pokemon master. And I got through it, played a lot of it. I still hate the catching system in the game, which is just annoying. But I was really surprised after I beat the Elite Four how much of an end game in Pokemon mm-hmm. there is. You could literally, like, the fact that there's all, for all 151 Pokemons, there's like that master trainer. Yep. And so you could go around and find all of them and just train up a Pokemon. I'm like, Man, if I wasn't done with this game, this would be really cool to go in and play this. Instead, I just went and ca- trade my Pokemon up to level 70 so I could just dis- destroy Mewtwo and catch him with the Master Ball. Yeah, but that's what I, I was did. just I was just really surprised at how much I I really wanted to find the Eevee trainer cuz my Eevee is literally god in that game cuz they give your Eevee or you they give whatever Eevee or Pikachu just they give him like the perfect stats. And then just he gets whatever ability you want to give him, basically, which makes no sense in terms of Pokemon. Like the fact that my Eevee is learning fire, ice, fairy, dark moves is kind of bonkers, and he's a normal Eevee. Uh, but he's basically God, so I wanted to find the Eevee trainer and just be like, "Fuck you, my Eevee's better, bitch." Uh, but I never went and found him because it's just hard to find. There's just so many Pokemon. I'm just like, I don't even know where to start looking for this. I just want to reiterate, just because I, I also beat Let's Go, uh, and I and re- when you started playing, I went back and, and caught Mewtwo. Um, those games are so much better than I think people give credit for. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of people liked them, but I but I really think that it, there's such like quality of life changes that just make them like a more enjoyable Pokemon experience. The only like I love everything but the catching system in the game. Like that's it. I so but like I mean the. Getting rid of random encounters was such a f- oh god, god, god it was so dude. nice. I would just like the only thing I hope for the new Pokemon Sword and Shield is that they they just bring the catching system back or like the normal where you fight Pokemon, fight wild Pokemon, and you catch them like that. Because otherwise, ca- like getting experience from non trainers is such a grind. Just catching Pokemon and the catching system is so random. It doesn't matter what you do. I've given like you could give them a berry and then the berry really doesn't change anything. Like, yeah. It the, the catching system just it doesn't seem like anything you do matters. And no matter like I spent fifty Pokeballs to catch Articuno. And then uh, just Ultra Balls, and like I just basically kept throwing them at him to catch him. And then I caught Moltres in one, and I was like, "This catching system makes zero sense." And so, the catching system sucks. It just brings back that the normal catching system of having to whittle a Pokemon down to zero health, and then you throw a Pokeball and it's super easy to catch him would be awesome. Also, doing Wild Encounters gives you, or not Wild Encounters, getting a Pokemon in the wild gives you XP if you kill him. I want that back too. So yeah, I it, but it looks like from the trailer for for Sword and Shield that it looks yeah. like random encounters. Random encounter, Not okay. excited about it. Anyways, I'll still play and enjoy it. I want to talk about Baba is You, a puzzle game or our Lord and Savior the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Uh, so what's this game about? Okay, so I saw this game. I saw Jason Schreier tweeting about it. Damn, we really 
stand Jason Schreier. We do. I mean, I think everyone knows that at this point. Like, I feel like every week we talk about Jason Schreier. Well, well, anyway, so I saw about the show one day. Yeah, maybe. I saw a couple of people talking about uh, Baba as you on Twitter, mainly him. And I was like, oh, cool. I'll I'll jump in and see what it is. Um, Because everyone was like, oh, it's a super weird puzzle game. Um, And let me say, this is the cool. I'm going to just say that definitely the coolest puzzle game I've ever played. So the concept is you're Baba. Well, for most of the game, you're Baba, this little sheep. It's Baba is You kind of sounds like a horror game, doesn't it? <laughs> it kind of is. Yeah. Because like Baba Yaga and yeah. just stuff like that. No, but Baba, it's just a cute little sheep. It's this top down, you you know, the whole thing is, is you're, you're kind of top down and there's all these like text tiles. So mm-hmm. it'll say Baba is you, wall is stop, flag is win. Yeah. So you basically, you rearrange the the letters to say something and that commands yeah. the thing. Yeah. So for for example, if I, if I changed... If I went and changed wall is, you know, I took the wall part of wall is stop and I put it onto, you know, wall is you. Then I am the wall. I'm controlling the wall and I can then navigate. I am the wall. Yeah. And then I can navigate to the flag. Yeah. Uh, and so the whole game is, is based around these kind of logic puzzles. Mm-hmm. And and it starts out pretty simple. The puzzles are pretty easy. You're kind of learning the mechanics. There's all these different, you know, nouns and, and verbs and modifiers or whatever. Adjectives. Yeah. No, no adjectives. Dangling participles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Adverbs. So How many grammar terms do you think we could name off right now? <laughs> I got, I could keep going. Sparts would be happy. Yeah. Uh, well, let's just cut this part out instead of doing. <laughs> Anyways, um, and so and so it becomes this, this you know this puzzle game where it's like sometimes you there are certain things you can't you know it's walled off. There's no possible way that you can be anything but Baba. Baba is you. Well, you could be a wall. Well, wall no, I'm saying you. sometimes you can't. You know, so so depending on how the level is laid out there are you know only certain things that you can do and so the game becomes just increasingly more complicated yeah. sometimes they throw in different things like sometimes uh are these all single screen puzzles because you said yep, it's top down all single screen. so you see everything you right? see you see everything from the get-go okay and and so i was like oh this game like i feel like i'm gonna understand it it's so frustrating it's yeah, I, it's all text puzzles it's all text puzzles and like and it kind of has that element of like you have to figure out what you need to do to win, like what what you know, what words need to go where, but also you're like, well, how do I get there? Mm-hmm. How do I navigate this level to you know? Because sometimes it's like there's something in my way, and if I hit that, that's death. Yeah, you know, wall is death. Okay, but yeah, so like when wall is you, like if you're the wall, you can't move. It's like, no, so you it's, can. Oh, okay. Anything if if something is you, you can move. Oh, okay. Um, and and you know, so you can push things around, and it's all. <sighs> I really, it's so hard to explain. This game is such a game that I think that you have to play. Yeah. It does it ever give you just? Is it ever just like here's just a throw up of all these letters and you have to rearrange no, them? No. There's it always, always it's always a sentence and then you rearrange the sentence. There's always a set rule. There's always set rules when you enter the level. So okay. when I enter the level, you know, I am Baba at the moment. Wall is stop at the moment. Water is sink. Okay. And, and so then it's figuring out. Well, how do I get over to the? Because f- almost and always there's and a. So w- the letters are always arranged into the rules, then that it tells you. So you show up in the level, the, the letters are arranged into your rules that you get, and then yeah. you rearrange letters. Well, yeah, they're phrases, so you okay. can't like you know, it's, it's so it's these little phrase boxes. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's so, it's I'm gonna I'm gonna make a, an analogy that's gonna annoy so many people. Okay. This is the Dark Souls of puzzle games, <laughs> and I'm not saying that in the sense that oh, it's it's really hard. But I feel like I, I think that that puzzle games and like those kind of really challenging games have the same appeal in the sense that it's like you're smashing your head against this thing mm-hmm. until you figure it out. Yeah. Um, 
And so it's like you know that in a in a Souls game or whatever, it's like dexterity. You're you know you're you're learning yeah, patterns. You all have stuff. to learn the patterns of the boss, and, and as you practice those patterns, you get better. Yeah. Than you find but them. in this game, it's more about like what what can I combine to do anything? Sometimes yeah. I so I've gotten into levels and I'm like I don't understand a single thing yeah. I can do in this level. It's that pick up set down mentality of. Okay, I need a. I can't figure this out. Set it down. Come back in the morning. Then you beat it right away. Yeah, and and that's been the frustrating things. Is there there's still levels that I I've had this game for a week and a half now, and I've been playing it pretty consistently. I there are some like pretty early levels that I cannot figure out. Yeah. So so there's kind of these little worlds like in Mario, uh, and you only have to beat a certain amount of them to to move on. So it's like uh in this in the water world or whatever you have to beat eight. You need to get eight feathers or whatever. That's all you get a feather per per uh, level to move on to the next world. But there are still, you know, maybe six levels in that one that that you haven't beaten yet. So what I found myself doing is kind of getting as much as I can to move on, uh, and then and then once I get really stuck there, I go back and kind of try to figure out the puzzles that I couldn't figure out before. And so the game's so cool about like, teaching you these mechanics as you go that when you go back, you're like, oh, kind of eureka! I I, I figured it out. And I've had some of the most satisfying like Jimmy Neutron big brain blasts I've ever had in a video game in this. It's so like yeah. you find I've I've been like I was on a plane uh coming back from Florida and I and I was stuck on this level for I swear to god like an hour and a half just staring at it and I finally figured it out and I was it was I sw- like yeah, amazing. you get that feeling of euphoria I, that dopamine it. was hitting there yeah. in the brain and I was ready to do a dance on yeah. that plane I, I don't know. I'm excited. I kind of want to try this game out cuz it sounds super interesting. It was, like che- it was cheap too. I think yeah, it was like 15 bucks in the game. And it just sounds, it sounds like the type of puzzle game I do like, because I don't like a lot of puzzle games, but I like text-based stuff. And yeah. I feel like, isn't there, like, a condition that, like, people are really good at, like, I can't, like, anagrams or something where they're really good at rearranging letters, and, like, they could see the words in, like, a thing. Mm. So I feel like those people would be really good at this game. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I, it's very logic-based. I feel like, like, it's really, like, there's these set of conditions, and what can I, what, what can I change about these conditions to win? Yeah. Um... And so I, I just, I mean, maybe I'm just not built, built for this kind of game, but I've seen a lot of people online being like, yeah, it's fucking frustrating. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for it. I want to play it, but there's just too many games. Yeah. I, I think that it's it's really easy to come pick up, you know, beat a couple levels or, or try a couple levels, play for 10 minutes. Yeah, I'm thinking I'll get it and it'll be my new Tetris 99 where I just get obsessed with it yeah. when I'm just not able to be at my PC or PlayStation or docked so that I'll just bring my Switch around and when I have an hour to kill, I'll do a couple puzzles. So yeah, I, I urge everyone to try it. I think it's worth the money. Uh, it's it's worth notice. Uh, whatever. Um, Bob is used cool. It's I, I'm not a puzzle game guy. I don't really like some. I usually get to that thing where I'm like I'm too frustrated. Like whatever. I don't want to play this anymore. But um, I haven't really had a lot else to play on my Switch, so I've just been grinding away at it. I really like yep. it. All right, Eric. I want to talk about another game I played on vacation, called Ding Dong XL. <laughs> Ding Dong XL, which has a, f- a fucking hilarious name, just because it's... It is pretty good, yeah. It's funny. Apparently, I, I was watching a thing with the developer uh, on Kind of Funny, where he said that he, when he named it, he didn't really... He didn't put together what it... Yeah, the, he didn't really put together... There. Yeah, he didn't really put it together, like, the sexual innuendo. He just yeah. thought it was, like, a dumb name. Yeah. Which I don't know if <laughs> I believe him, but... I don't know. Yeah, that seems made up. How do you not notice Ding Dong XL? I can understand maybe it's called Ding Dong, right? That's what you know. It's yeah, like, but then you add XL to XL, it. a big Ding Dong. Yeah, just an extra large Ding Dong. Um, the game is not about penises. 
Uh, it is about. It's basically. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be so funny if the game is about dicks, <laughs> and he didn't realize that the name worked out so well about the game. That'd be hilarious. Uh, it's a ninety-nine cent game. It's made by one guy. Way too expensive. No, I'm kidding. Um, that, he, it's one dude. He was working at like NIT, and he's basically just been making these games to like teach himself how to make games. Uh, I have it on my iPhone, and basically the whole concept is that you're like a little ball on one end of the screen and all you need to do is get to the other end it's just a tap tap the ball shoots to the other end you ding and then it dogs yeah but there's these moving kind of blocks that keep you know coming across the field like kind of like frogger so they're like the cars mm-hmm. uh and it's, you know in frogger you go one kind of step at a the time but this one you're doing be all better of them. for frogger you're talking about Frogger too, where it's he goes, he has to go across the street. Oh yeah, I always play the frog, one on the, the yeah. computer. That <laughs> Frogger, he taps on the lily pads and get past the logs going down the river. Anyways, you 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 go across the entire sh- uh, screen. So it's this one, it's one mechanic. Um, the problem is that you know you can't really patience. You can't have like patience. You can't just wait because as you sit on one end of the screen, your ball gets bigger. So yeah. it's going to be harder to go. Which I thought was a cool mechanic. Yeah. Um, and so I, it's just it's so simple. All you do is tap. That's it. You it's a tap. high score chaser. Dude. It's a high score chaser. Um, and it's – I just love – I've been really kind of into this concept of, like, really simple games recently. And it's it's so fun, and I've just been pl- – I've gotten all of the – there's separate little balls that you can have to, like, do. It's just kind of like, you know, you spend your – every time you get a score, it's like a point. You can spend your points on the – Oh, so you can get different balls. Yep. Ding dong. I've gotten all the balls, and now I've just been chasing high scores. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's super fun. It's 99 cents. One dollar a game. You pay for it. You're done. It has no ads, no loot boxes. Nothing. Yeah. One dollar on your iPhone. It's still a lot for an iPhone game. It's not. It's I, you're not. joking, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's 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 really crazy that like you know you look at an iPhone game and you, it's like ninety nine cents. You kind of well, pause. Even when it's like, so the thing is when I see like an iPhone game and I'm like, oh okay, ninety nine cents is like that's the highest I'll pay. You know, it's like oh it's only ninety nine cents. But if it's a dollar twenty nine, I'm like that's fucking a rip off. <sighs> that's so expensive. That's stupid because we were you know we dropped fucking sixty dollars. I dropped sixty dollars like fucking us. Uh, flick of the wrist every other week for a game i play maybe 10 hours of uh, not like put barely any time into like i just bought salt and sanctuary for like i think 12 dollars, and i'm not gonna i played it because i needed a, a game to play in the car ride i'm probably never gonna go back to it so yeah i think ding dong xl is worth it uh i think it's cool it's made by one dude it's cool to support really small creators like that yeah and it's got a really funny name. Uh, he has, like, shirts, like, merch, and they're actually really cool because they're super geometric. Uh, the game has this really cool, like, neon art style. Yeah. Um, and there's a shirt that just kind of is, like, a little box in a in a, in a ball or whatever. I think it looks dope. I kind of want it. You can get it? I- I've played a shit ton of Ding Dong, so I might as well. Might as well be the number one fan of Ding Dong. Does it have leaderboards? Can you see how other people are doing? Well, it's or on. Is, like, can you share it with your friends? Because then I uh, get it and it's then a, just beat your score. It's on Game Center, so I assume so. Oh, okay. Like, like there's Game Center notifications and stuff. So I Fun assume fact, so, yeah. my Game Center thing, I kept trying usernames and it never worked. So I just did R A A A A. So it just rocks. I was so <laughs> angry that none of my usernames were working. Game Center sucks. Also, worst part about iPhones. Yeah, and <laughs> not really. iPhones have a lot of problems, but that's one of them. I don't like the notifications. Sometimes it would give me the notifications while I'm playing oh, the game, and it, it's annoying. They're the worst. Uh, all right, one more game I want to talk about, then we get to yours. Uh, Snake. I've been playing a bunch of Snake on my laptop. If you Google Snake, there's it's just in Google browser you can play it. Yeah. Uh, and I've been playing it any, in class all the time. I fully understand this because about every once every like six months or so, I'm like I really want to play Snake, and I have this app on my phone that I that I really like. It's like a version of Snake that I really like, and I just delete it and download it all the time because I'm just like I just 
it's that high score chaser and snake what a classic man dude it, it's again it's such a simple mechanic yeah. you're a snake you you navigate this little board just don't bite your tail and just don't you gather things get more get longer and don't bite your you know don't yeah. bite yourself that's it it's so good and the one on google uh some versions you can you can go through the wall and you'll come through the other side but not this. i one. hate those versions yeah you can't hit the wall at all yeah so it's cool i like the ones where you can't hit the wall so uh yeah dude it's just snakes classic i actually was like i want to read more about how that game was made yeah i know surprisingly little about snake but yeah i feel like i should know more i don't even know like was that an atari game was it i don't know yeah maybe see i know this is how little i know about snake Timeless. I remember playing Snake as a kid. I don't, I'm like my mom's BlackBerry, I think. Yeah, when I got my first iPod, Snake was one of the first games I got I like as an app. Snake was the one of the first ones, and I played that shit done. That ga- that ga- Snake and this game called Scoops, where you're you're just an ice, a little ice cream cone at the bottom of the screen, and that used the, uh, what's oh, it the called? gyroscope. Gyroscope in the thing, and so it moves. The, all it does is move the ice cream cone back and forth and all is happening is these ice cream scoops are just falling from the sky and you have to collect them and then you can get bonuses if you collect a certain number of flavors in a row and then you just want to get as high as you get and it just keeps going up and up and up eventually you get into space and then you're passing planets and such damn hell yeah and that, another high score chaser that i used to play so many just one i love the the concept of like a one mechanic game like you can only do one thing yeah and it's, then you just chase it's, a score. it's kind of fun like I, it's just you just get better and better and like Snake's dope, man. Always also, be- as long as we're talking about apps, uh, uh, this su- or last summer I got this game called Desert Golf. I think. Oh yeah, uh, I played that a Jared bunch. Petty of was Dever- talking a lot about, and I I think I got to level like two thousand one hundred seventy eight. Like it just because all you do is it's basically mini golf, and you just get in the hole, and you're in a desert, and so you just keep going and try to get as little strokes as possible, and you just keep going. It never stops. There's so <laughs> many levels for that game. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> All right, Eric, what do you want to talk about? What game you want to talk about? So to round us out, I want to talk about a game called Satisfactory. We brought this up last week, or, or last, no, two podcasts ago, I think. I can't remember. Too Something many, like that, We do yeah. too many of these. We're on episode 27, too many. 25. 25. Too many. And uh, so whatever we talked about it, I'm like, this game is my type of game. Just a very zen game. All you do is build and organize. The OCD person's dream. Because it's entirely up to you to organize. Let me tell you, my factory is the least bit organized. Is it it, it chaotic? It is very, it's a lot of, uh, on the subreddit, uh, people like to refer to it as a spaghetti factory. (laughs) Because all your conveyor belts are just all over the place. And some people do it on purpose. Like, I saw one person post uh, that they just made a completely unnecessary loopy conveyor belt to go, like, right next to the thing. (laughs) Just completely unnecessary. But basically what I was doing is I had to figure out all the mechanics of this game and stuff. So that's why my first, it's basically my first factory. I've probably put about five or six hours into this game by now. And uh, I need to figure out a bunch of stuff. And so beginning of the game is actually pretty fun when you're figuring it out because it's very reward system-esque where uh, I found an iron area and then I put my miner up for the iron and then I loop my iron thing into iron production. And then you get like automation happening. And it's like, yes, I'm automating my production of iron rods. And I'm like, fuck yeah. And then I'm like, at first, all you need really is like a few iron rods to maybe make something. And then uh, later, as you keep going in the game, eventually you need to make like 20 things in order to make this one thing. And then you need like 50 of that one thing. And so you quickly start getting to the point where, oh, shit, I actually need to start being efficient and making this so I could get these things faster. 
and like speed up my production and then that's where you get into just the nitty-gritty of going to your like your power production and seeing your numbers and then looking at your miners and seeing how much you're actually mining at a time so that you use the right speed conveyor belt to get into your smelters that smelt in the right time so it's constantly producing that like one every second kind of mentality and so that you're getting like perfect automation and it's super (laughs) satisfying once you get into that is it very satisfactory it is very satisfactory but right now um i'm not to that point yet where i'm like getting that super organized thing because right now i just uh uh, last thing I did was I needed to – I've been working off of bio, biofuel, which is the first kind of – well, it's the second uh, kind of thing that you get for your power production. And it's just super inefficient because you have to constantly – there's no automated way to collect uh, the resources you need to create biofuel. And so you have to do it manually, which doing anything manually in this game defeats the entire purpose. You want You want to be working so everything's doing it itself. And so it's super annoying. I have to keep filling these things, up, these biofuel generators up, and they only take like 200 biofuel, uh, and they burn through like one every 15 seconds, I think. And so you kind of have to keep filling them up. It's super annoying. And as you put more and more stuff up to make stuff, it's burning through more and more fuel. So you gotta make another biofuel generator, and you gotta keep getting stuff. So I'm like, fuck it. I finally got to the point where I could make coal generators. So I'm like, okay, I'm going coal though. Unfortunately, super far away from my factory. I So I built a tractor, and then I just set out to go find coal. <laughs> <laughs> across the desert? Across like. the lands, I went out to find coal. And then through a series of just misfortunate things, and I don't know, I got killed a bunch of times. I found this area that's just super radioactive or something that kills me if I'm in it. So I'm like, fuck. And then I died there, but my tractor kept moving forward because it doesn't stop if you hop off. It, like, keeps rolling a little bit. And so my tractor was super far to the radioactive zone. And I'm like, fuck. And then so I had to run all the way back there, get on my tractor, just hardcore, just shove it reverse and just back out. (laughs) And meanwhile, this, like, this bowl like creature was shooting these fireballs at me and like I'm just trying to get my thing out. The game's also in early access too. And so if you hit creatures, it doesn't fully register that you're hitting them. And they just get shoved into the ground and then pop out. So that was pretty funny. But then they're not dead. I'm like, fuck. And it's super hard to kill stuff because I don't have any weapons yet. Anyway, after that I eventually found I uh, was able to ping coal and so head out set out to get the coal. Unfortunately, though, the coal I found is in a really thick forested area that was down a like a really steep hill. And driving the tractor down a hill, you go flying. You're going 100 miles an hour. Going tractor uphill, you're going about five. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got down the hill, found my area for coal. And let me tell you, you mine coal like a no one's business. You you put your miners up for coal, and I had like. 10 coal generators up in seconds like they're and like no problem you're shooting out coal like it's coming out like you had bad tacos the other day and you're out the toilet like it's just coming out fast you know and so then i was like perfect now all i need to do is hook up my generators to my factory but i'm problem is my factory is about 800 like kilometers away or like really far away i don't know kilometers to give you a far kilometer distance it's really far away and so I'm like, okay, I got to start hooking these up. And then I was driving. I'm like, I don't know how to get back to my factory. So right now I'm just currently lost in the woods trying to figure out how to get out so I can hook up these gener- these, these power source. I have a, a, few, a, like a few quick questions about All this right. game. Um, is is everyone's map the same or is it kind of a procedurally generated type everyone's, thing? Everyone's – it's uh, one map. So okay. if any, everyone has like the same map. I think resources might be randomly generated, but I don't know for sure. Like the resource spawns, they might be, but I, I don't know for sure. How much is this game? 
thirty dollars, and it's Damn. in early access right now. Fun. I'm in, I'm into this. This sounds fun. Like kind of like a, it's like a sim, but l- way less like. I yeah, it's. I mean, it. The, I was kind of worried. Uh, I was kind of not worried. I don't know. Maybe hoping that there'd be a little bit more survival aspects to it because it's really not a hard survival. Like normally in survival games, you have to work, monitor your food and water and stuff. You don't have to do that in this game. You only ever eat to get health, really, and you really don't really fight that much stuff. Uh, I'm currently having to fight stuff because I just need it to get analyzed to get a better weapon so I can fight stuff better. And so, like, whenever I can just kill something and start putting up my factory. <laughs> I, I thought it was curious in, in general that there were, like, enemies and stuff. I just assumed that literally this game about factories. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's the wildlife. Because the thing is, you're this – you work for – I can't remember. It's, like, Facet, I think, is the name of the company. And you you literally – the beginning of the game is you're being dropped in this, sh- like, shuttle pod. You're, you're, like, descending onto this planet. And your job is to mine the planet for resources and send them back to f- the Facet company and so that's all you like you're just basically a resource miner that has making all these stuff for this company okay and that's all it is cool i'm and interested you're dropped to... on this foreign planet basically to do it i uh i'm interested to play it at some point i, I doubt it'll come to consoles because uh, those oh, games no. don't and um, it's in early access so it's gonna be a long fucking time before that actually but happens. i'll build a pc over the summer i'll get yeah, it and then maybe. we could play together i mean right is now there co-op yeah there's co-op you could join each other's worlds and stuff oh sick and so, yeah, uh, it's pretty fun. It's my Zen game right now. I play it while watching binge-watching Game of Thrones because Season 8 comes out in the f- two weeks. And so it's perfect for that because I can just be paying attention to Game of Thrones while monitoring my factory and just putting stuff up and doing math. More math than I ever thought I'd ever do. All right. Are you, uh, are you, are you satisfied with this conversation? <laughs> I found that conversation perfectly satisfactory. Sick. Uh, everyone, this has been the Generic Gaming Podcast.mp3. Thank you for listening. Again, if you like the show, go rate us on iTunes. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel, Late for Embargo. Tell your friends. Tell us. Go uh, follow us on Twitter at GGPMP3 uh, or uh, follow each of us on Twitter. Find us. You know, we're, we're both in the, 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 the description. description there. And uh, tune in next week when Kaz Harai comes on to talk about all the Nintendo games he's going to be playing in retirement anyways we love you unless you suck in case we don't in which case we do oh my god in which case we don't and you should probably work on that oh christ have a good have a good one